वेलकम टू प्रोएक्टिव फिजियो पॉडकास्ट एपिसोड नंबर 10 विद योर होस्ट जयमिन माय पॉडकास्ट हेल्प्स यू टू इंप्रूव योर क्लिनिकल स्किल्स एज वेल एज द पेशेंट्स आउटकम्स इन पॉडकास्ट वी टॉक टू द लीडर्स इन मस्कुलोस्केलेटल इंजरी स्पोर्ट्स इंजरी मैनेजमेंट एज वेल एज द पेन साइंस स्पेशलिस्ट वी एक्सप्लोर देयर एरिया ऑफ इंटरेस्ट एंड एक्सपर्टीज व्हिच गिव्स यू योर क्लिनिकल टिप्स and helps you to improve your patient's outcomes in today's podcast we have a guest dr ian horsley dr ian is lead physiotherapist in the northwest for the english institute of sports and technical lead for the north directorate as well as he is the clinical director of back in action rehabilitation in west yorkshire he completed his phd in musculoskeletal causes of shoulder injuries So let's start with the today's podcast. Uh, thank you so much, Dr. Ian Horsley, for come again on our Proactive Physio podcast. So today uh, we are going to discuss about the subacromial uh, pain. Is it uh, proper label for every shoulder pain or not? Just tell us about yourself. Hi. Uh, yeah. I am. I am a physiotherapist based in the UK. Uh, I have been uh, qualified for over 30 years, uh, probably the last, uh, certainly the last 15 of, of which uh, I've been sort of highly focused on uh, management of all things around the shoulder and the shoulder girdle. Uh, I uh, currently have a split role. I spend uh, half of my week uh, working in elite sport as the uh, sort of um, shoulder uh, lead physiotherapist. Uh, for the English Institute of Sport, and then the other uh, half of the week, I work in in private practice uh, in the in the north of England. Uh, yes, yeah, very much so. And then in and around that, I do I still do a little bit of research, uh, and I I uh, see teach uh, uh, sort of a set of courses. Uh, around management of basically the, the sporting shoulders of around or, or or before COVID around the UK and and around Europe. What is your approach for the shoulder pain when the athlete comes to you? Uh, well, I think it, it's quite interesting actually. This uh, you know what do you call sort of pain uh, around and and about uh, oh about eighteen months ago there were a group of of us uh, sort of physios who sort of specialize in management uh, of shoulder pain within within the UK who got together and we went through a, a sort of a series of sort of a del- rounds of a Delphi questionnaire and we produced a nice little paper uh, in the physiotherapy practice and, and research journal uh, last year uh, entitled physiotherapist recommendations for examination and treatment of the of rotator cuff related shoulder pain and, and a consensus exercise. And it was quite interesting, actually, that, you know, this, despite, you know, many of us being very experienced and, and working in the area of, uh, of the shoulder and upper limb uh, mainly, we, you know, we, there were very few areas that we totally 100% uh, agreed on. My, my, my personal thoughts are, you know, we, we sort of discussed long and wide, you know, what, you know, what we should call it. You know, um, uh, and you know, should we call it rotator cuff related shoulder pain? Should we call it subacromial uh, impin- impingement uh, sy- syndrome? You know, should we call it shoulder tendinitis? But but I, I don't think it really matters uh, uh, that that much. Uh, 
certainly one thing that you know that that I don't like is the term subacromial impingement or rotator cuff impingement because I don't think it's really really helpful. It, it, it's a very uh, it's it's a very sort of global term and it, and it doesn't help me doesn't help you as a as a therapist as a clinician with, with that diagnosis because one where we're not making any inferences of what is being impinged uh, and secondly we're not making making any inferences about what is causing that impingement so 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 we know that the subacromial space is you know is incredibly small so with you in a healthy person with the arm down by the side it's about seven millimeters between the top of the humerus and the bottom of the, of the acromion you know and we call that the, the, the we call that the subacromial space but it's not a space really is it because we we know we've got the four rotator cuff muscles in there plus the long header bicep then we've got the coracoacromial ligament in there and we've also got the subacromial subacromial bursa so so that seven millimeters is got stuff in anyway and then we know that when you take your arm out to the side at around sort of 90 degrees, it's at its most narrow. Uh, and that's you know, just over one millimeter in, in, uh, uh, in distance from the top of the humerus to, to the bottom of the acromion. So, so it's, you know, it's not much of a space uh, okay. from there. And, and, and what are the classical symptoms that you are seeing in a subacromial uh, impingement? What, what kind of uh, symptoms you are observing? If you say that okay. this patient has a uh, impingement syndrome, okay. So if they've got an impingement syndrome, then the definition itself is saying that something is getting getting impinged. So something that that sits in that subacromial space, so long headed bicep, the rotator cuff, or, or and or the bursa is is getting getting compressed. So that distance between the acromion and the humeral head is being reduced greater than normal, possibly. Uh, to to create uh, some trauma. If, if the patient says, "I have pain in abduction, external rotation while serving a tennis," or he say, "I have a pain in while get take my hand behind and I I hurt my shoulder," do you think that we should give a label? The patient has might have a uh, subacromial pain. I, I think certainly based on the two examples you, you gave, the, the second one putting their arm behind the back, let's say they were tucking the, the shirt in to the to the top of the trousers. I think that's less less likely with that mechanism to be an impingement because, as I said earlier, the subacromial space is its, its maximum there. As, as you go up above your, above your head, as I said, that, that uh, space narrows. So at that 90 degrees abduction and external rotation, then... We, we can start to get some increased narrowing of, of that space and some compression of the, the structures that, that's in there. And, and what we, we've got to under, understand is there's sort of three reasons why we can get that, that uh, compression of, of tissues. One is that the, there is a scapular instability, so the acromion, uh, the top of the subacromial space is coming down and reducing that subacromial space. The second is that the, we've got a, a humeral instability where the floor of that subacromial space, the humeral head is coming up and reducing that size. Or thirdly, due to trauma, we can uh, increase the size of the structures that are in that subacromial space. So they're rotating off long-headed biceps or or um, bursa 
which will occupy more space, therefore leave less room to, for accommodation when when they uh, when they um, reduce reduce that space. So how do you define this patient has a scapula instability? Do do you do certain tests and give a label to that person? The patient has a scapula instability due to that patient has a subacromial pain or rotator cuff related shoulder pain. Yeah, we you know there's some there's some good stuff and you know, and I, I'm a very good fan uh, of Jeremy Lewis's uh, shoulder symptom modification procedure, which yeah. you know look, looks at uh, the the objective findings and, and the subjective findings of, of the patients doing their their meaningful task, and and seeing what happens to that to that uh, uh, that pain that that they get uh, when we do certain things to the scapula, so we can assist. Uh, the scapula in that frontal plane into upward rotation and if we assist if they're going into elevation and, and they get that sort of impingement they get that painful arc and we assist um, the, uh, scapula upward rotation and we abolish or improve that we can say okay we've got a problem with the with the scapula a dysfunctional scapula we can also use another scapula test which is listed as the um, scapular retraction test again which looks at uh, controlling the uh, positions of the um, um, the transverse rotation of the of the scapula, so that if you like that external rotation of the of the scapula as you go into elevation, and similarly, if we get an improvement in, in symptoms, then we know it's something that to to do to do with that. Alternatively, we've got the similar procedure that we can use with the humeral head by sort of controlling with our hands with just some light touch. The, the position of the humeral head from a, if we think it's coming anterior, uh, if it's an anterior micro instability by just sort of placing the hands on the front of the humeral head as they go up into elevation, uh, I think it gives us a nice proprioceptive response from there. And again, if that improves the symptoms and we know they've got a micro anterior instability, or we could reverse that and it could be a posterior instability where we just re, um, reverse our hand placement. That's nice. I think these are uh, good tips to identify the micro instability of the shoulder joint. Do you think that every shoulder pain patient has a decrease the subacromial space? Okay, as you know, so I mentioned earlier, you, you know, you can get a, a decrease in the humeral space, or you can get an increase in the size of the structures within that. So often, you know, certainly with repeated trauma or an acute trauma, you can create sw um, swelling. So the the thing that that is aggravated the most is the subacromial bursa, which is tiny. But it, it very quickly, if aggravators swells and gets filled with pain-sensitive chemicals, which will occupy a lot of that space. Uh, and again, as as the uh, tissues that pass over the top of the bursa contract, that will uh, aggravate a, an already sensitive tissue. That's one thing. And then there was some great research done by uh, Karen McCreesh a number of years ago as part of her PhD, where she looked at what happened to the thickness of the of the supraspinatus tendon when you loaded it. So did a series of uh, isokinetic sub, uh, uh, movements to, to fatigue and looked at the thickness of the, the, the tendon uh, pre-testing um, uh, one hour, six hours and, and 12 hours after testing. And it was shown that a normal tendon will, after um, being loaded, uh, it will be thicker Okay, and we'll, at about six hours, we'll start 
to uh, go back to its normal thickness, whereas a tendinopathic tendon will take a lot longer. So even at 12 hours, the, the tendon will still still be thicker. So the, uh, sort of a tendinopathic tendon reacts differently, takes a lot longer to re recover to its pre-exercise level. And I think that's quite useful when we're thinking about dosing our rehab uh, with our uh, with our tendon uh, uh, tendinopathic shoulder patients. Hello friends. Till now, you have listened uh, information regarding the tips to identify micro-instability and how to identify the unstable scapula as well as the symptoms of a shoulder pain in a certain position. And you can access on our website, there are free resources, you can access a few free videos also and you can listen our previous podcast. We have an Instagram handle also at the rate proactive underscore physiology. So let's start with the podcast again. And also, sir, uh, how much do you give importance to the posture for the shoulder pain? Because uh, let's say an example, the patient has, uh, the person has to uh, work uh, throughout the day in front of the computer. And naturally, he has a protracted a bit of shoulder and forward neck. So in that kind of uh, individual, um, how much do you give importance for the posture? I think we've got to take into consideration whether the, the posture has changed, whether they've spent they're spending more time, uh, you know, in, in front of a computer, which most of us are now during COVID because we're managing all our meetings on um, on Teams and Zoom and Skype and, and things like that. So we've got to think about that. But you know, the, if you look at literature, it, 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 there is still some debate. Uh, about whether posture does have it have an effect but but we know that to a degree if you've got an increased thoracic kyphosis if you're more round-shouldered then your scapulae are going to be in a more downward rotative position which will then lower the position of the acromion and and would then lead to a reduction in subacromial chromial space and a greater likelihood of getting getting impingement but that but that's not always the that's not always the case. And again, another one of the tests that's within the shoulder symptom modification procedure is looking at changes somebody either either thoracic posture, so reducing their their kyphosis or their cervical their vehicle posture, so reducing their uh, 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 cervical lordosis as well and seeing what happens to that on their meaning on their meaningful task, let's say, which is generally going up into elevation. Yeah, fine. Okay, so so I think uh, posture is not that much important for the shoulder pain or any subacromial type of pain, but it is depending on the patient's um, uh, task, functional activity, then only we should consider his posture. Is it? I, I, yeah, I think so. You know, again, you've got to consider it not, you know, it, whenever we get symptoms with, with anybody, we, we've got to consider a number of things. And, and, in, and in some patients, improving their posture may have a significant effect on reducing their symptoms where on where on another patient what we consider is improving their posture might not have any effect at all because it's generally a combination of of several things that come together that will decide whether they're symptomatic or not and that's you know in literature why there's still a lot of debate uh, about um whether um scapular dyskinesis so that what people tend to call winging of the scapula is is a cause or an effect 
of, of shoulder pain, where in, in some people they can have a, a dyskinesis, a, a winging scapula and have no problems uh, what, whatsoever. So we've okay. got to consider lots of things, not just one thing. Okay, fine. So we need to uh, see from the broad uh, perspective in a patient, not depending on his functional activity. Uh, and also, uh, what, uh, what are, uh, which muscles do you target for the subacromial pain? Or you give a label, the patient has a rotator cuff related shoulder pain. So which muscles do you target first? Do you improve the... Uh, stability first or you improve the mobility first as we all know both are equally important for us to to get the full range of motion but in a shoulder pain so what is your opinion sir i think we, we you know we've got to first of all i think we've got we've got to uh, um minimize pain because as we know that if you've got pain then that reduces motor activity around a muscle so that's likely to affect the, the motor control and more likely to get some pain uh, in the subacromial space but then uh, again what we've got to think about is, is when we're assessing our patients what gives us the biggest change in the short shortest time if we're thinking about you know one of the things about thinking uh, about um, you know, sort of muscle length you know if, if it is you know if somebody has got a really chronic posture and let's say they have got a chronically shortened pectoralis minor and, and pectoralis minor causes downward rotation of the scapula, which which uh, reduces that subacromial space. Okay, we are not going to be able to change the length of of pec minor in in a short time. We've, that's an ongoing change because we've got to get that 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 change. We've got to get them to produce some some more length by adding sarcomeres in series. So that's a long-standing postural adaptation that, that they need to they need to work on. But again, we might we may think of getting a little bit of balance. So therefore it tends to be around the scapula, it needs to be upward rotation and our main upward rotation rotate is a lower trap and serratus anterior to create that upward rotation it could be that it's external rotation of the, of the scapula and that's it would be again a bit of serratus work uh, some some uh, middle trapezius work with a tiny little bit of, of um, um, uh, rhomboid uh, work uh, uh, as well if we're thinking about the glenohumeral joint we think we've got an anterior uh, instability then we've got to think about muscles that that work better uh, across the front so increasing their activation so such as in you know in that 90 degree abduction and external rotation we'll be looking at sub subscapularis uh, uh, function as well yeah and and sir uh, do you prefer to go for close kinetic chain exercise first or you, uh, will you start an open chain exercise for the shoulder pain in a subacromial type? Uh, uh, I, I, I like everything. It depends which works best. What we've got to think about, uh, what is useful, if we can involve the kinetic chain, the kinetic chain uh, uh, reduces the stress locally around the glenohumeral joint and the, and the and the shoulder girdle. So whatever work position that we're in, we can start to bias it. So if we're thinking about being in a closed kinetic chain, so if we're closed kinetic chain on our hands and, and knees, and let's say the patient has got, uh, let's say a right, uh, a, a right impingement type sy syndrome from there, it, we know that if they extend 
their opposite leg. So if in that position, if they extend their left leg, so that's parallel with the floor, that will increase the activity of the right um, lower trapezius. If they extend their left leg, um, so the leg on the side of where they've got their uh, their impingement, then they will get increased activity of serratus anterior. So, so, so again, that that may may work. But again, Ooh. we know that that stepping, if we involve a step in open kinet, uh, uh, kinetic chain or some trunk rotation with open kinetic chain, they can help their scapula. So, so again, well, ha I'll have a look at, and uh, again and see which gets more to function and gives us our best result. Okay, just fine. So in summary, sir, uh, the multiplanar exercise is beneficial to start for the shoulder rehabilitation, as well as we should check for his uh, functional task as well as the athlete sports. And also, uh, we also uh, see his movement pattern, whether the patient uh, is a more required standing posture or he is more in a sitting posture. Depending on that, we need to de design a rehab protocol and the dosage is also important. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, we, we need to think of function, you know, what, what, what is their meaningful task? What is their actual movement that they do that, that brings on, on, on their pain? And, and what I am passionate about is it's about quality of movement, that the quality of that movement should be excellent. You know, as Joe Elphiston says, it should be beautiful and effortless. Yeah, and that's certainly fine. Not, have, not have any pain. Yeah. Yeah you gave us a good idea regarding how to approach for the subacromial patient and the exercise part. Thank you so much for your time. And sir, tell us about how we can reach to you. Um, so probably the, the easiest way of getting uh, of contact me or seeing what's going on is via Twitter. Uh, and our, um, It's not straightforward, but I am um, if you look for Ian Horsley, Dr. Ian Horsley, and it's at back uh, uh, dash in dash action, which is the um, which is the name of my clinic. But as I say, if you put Dr. Ian Horsley in on Twitter, you, you'll find it. I uh, put lots and lots of information on there uh, regarding regarding the shoulder. Put lots of, of patients and and direct people uh, towards good good studies and some good information on on there. And I I pretty much answer any questions that come along, uh, any uh, direct messages that come through Twitter uh, that way too. Thank you for listening Proactive Physio podcast. Make sure to visit our website and give us a feedback. You can write an email to us. Our next podcast is about the orthopedic approach for the shoulder pain. Have a nice week. See you.